You are listening to Zero E Michigan with Carl Bloss and Larry Hudson. On this show, we try to explore and simplify what's happening with electric vehicles, energy generation, and zero emissions topics with a focus on our home state of Michigan. Together with our guests, we demystify topics related to driving electric in Michigan and how you can select, charge, maintain, and get the maximum value out of your EV. This podcast is sponsored by Consumers Energy and the Power My Drive program. Start your EV journey at consumersenergy.com slash EV. Welcome back to the Zero E Michigan podcast. I'm Carl Bloss, and my guest today is Ben Brown. There will be some things that I would like to do in the future in terms of longer range. Um, currently, I like taking Amtrak, mm-hmm. and so I'm going on long distance. But there is this really fantastic car coming out that will operate. Uh, you can charge up to 40 miles just with solar in a day. Are you familiar with this car by any chance, Carl? Looking at I, I, happen, I happen to be familiar with this, um, talking about the Aptera. So now with all of this lead in, I wanted to pick your brain because I knew from um, a little birdie telling me um, – <laughs> Also, you commenting on some of our videos, which is great, about the Aptera. And my thought was, well, you know, not everybody can afford a Lucid Air for $169,000 or even a Tesla Model 3 for $30,000, $40,000. And to charge that vehicle and to put in the home charging infrastructure, which, again, there's help for that. You know, if you're a consumer's energy customer, you can get rebates. There are federal tax credits. But... With a vehicle like the Aptera, with the extreme efficiency and the ability to charge directly from sunlight, I think this is a game changer. And I think maybe the the thing I want to talk to you about is like, how do you feel that this can help people who are income qualified, who are struggling to make ends meet? Um, you know, we hear these things about electric cars are so expensive, and but I think this vehicle and I. I struggle to call it a car. It's a it's an auto cycle officially because it's a three wheeler, but it yeah. acts like a car. It's a two seater. I mean, what do you think is the potential for people who otherwise may not be able to get into an electric vehicle? The thing about the Aptera, which is fantastic, a lot of people um, may not. I own a residence, so and you own a residence, and makes it easier by far to charge, even winter charging. Right. is a much simpler i but uh with the aptera there's that possibility that if you're renting uh even if you're renting a condo and your condo association does not allow you to put in a charger you can still get a charge from the sun to help extend your range quite a bit right. to give you some range yeah and that opens up doors and the money that you save efficiency wise even in charging if you have to pay for charging will be very significant i I have a friend that drives a ford now you may have to help me a ford f-150 lightning Mm -hmm. that's electric version yes and it consumes a truckload of energy for her to commute but if she were to take that same commute with an Aptera, that would be pennies. And the other thing I think of when I think of of resource use, efficient use of resource sources, there could probably be five Apteras made 
from one the amount of materials in one Ford F-150. There's definitely a need for Ford F-150s, but I'm just saying in terms of of what is your real need, uh, daily need, the Aptera just makes sense, so much sense that you'll never guess what I did. Oh, you probably know what I did, that I became a reservation holder. But not only that, against squirreling away money, I could afford to be an investor to help help support and bring this to fruition. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm in the same boat. And uh, just a disclaimer here, we're not telling anybody to invest, but we can just say what we did. And I did the same thing. I'm a reservation holder. So for $100 and Aptera did have a a recent promotion, if you will, if you invested $2,000, you get $1,000 off the vehicle. So I chose to participate in that so that I, you know, bought down the price of the vehicle, but also I believe in the company. And I know yeah. not everybody does. Um, I do. And I, I, I know that there's risk in investing and we could basically lose all of that. Totally understand yeah. that. But in, in my mind, it's the right thing to do. Um, I also bought my Tesla Model S during a time that it was really insanely expensive for for anybody. And, and yet my thought process was not only do I want that cool car, but I also want that company to succeed. So I always joke now with the people who have Model 3s and Model Ys, um, like, you can thank me now because people like me kept that company afloat um, so that now that their business model is such that they're able to, you know, provide a, a lower cost vehicle. Um, and and yeah, and like you, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in Aptera and what it represents, uh, the right use case. Like you said, we need pickup trucks, uh, nothing against that. Uh, I actually did that efficiency calculation comparison in the last podcast and i did it versus a prius which is the new one 56 miles per gallon and if i remember my numbers correctly for um you know what is it 40 miles a day an aptera would cost you 60 cents in electricity if you plug in and uh, it let's say you get half of that from the sun it's 30 cents a day right and i think for the for the prius it was in the neighborhood of two dollars a day which also is not bad, but it's it's orders of magnitude almost difference. And, you know, again, you also don't have to do oil changes. On a, on a Prius, you still have to do oil changes, maybe not as often, but you still have to do it. So the maintenance is less. And the, the efficiency opens up so many doors. That's what you were saying about the F-150 Lightning. I had a chance to drive the one that we have as a company car and I was getting 1.7 to 2 miles per kilowatt hour, which, um, you know, it's not good. If you're an EV person, you kind of know what those numbers are like. It's like your miles per gallon versus, you know, my Tesla or my Kia Nero are getting 3.5 to 4 miles per kilowatt hour. The F-150 is using twice the energy of even a small EV. And now take something like the Aptera, which is ultra streamlined. It's a hundred percent designed for efficiency. So the the shape, the motors, you know, everything down to that they don't even want to have rear view mirrors. They'd rather have little cameras because it all contributes to slicing through the air so efficiently that the energy used for this vehicle is small. Like you also said, the resources, the battery on the launch edition is 40 kilowatt hours. That's about a third of the size of an F-150 Lightning. So now you Whoa. can build batteries for three of these vehicles for the same amount of 
lithium or whatever the materials are in the future, sodium batteries, um, solid state batteries, whatever it is in the future, you'll be able to build three of those vehicles versus one F-150 and, you know, go just as far, if not further. Again, you're not going to haul a boat. You're not going to haul a load of rocks. You are not going to take it to a work site necessarily and do all the things that you can with a truck. We're not dissing trucks here, but just putting it into perspective. If, if you're going to get groceries or you're taking, you know, a kid to school and it's a two-seater, so you're only taking one kid to school um, or any of those things, uh, just the efficiency is so much higher and it's so much cheaper to operate. The other thing is it's the not DIY, but it's the right to repair, right? Right to repair, yeah. And also it is, I think I might have heard the rumor, and I think it's been confirmed that uh, they're designing it so within boundaries it can be upgraded. Mm-hmm. If they go to a solid-state battery and those are smaller, you should be able to get many more miles. But that's only theoretical. That's not a... Yeah. Uh, proven thing, but they will have versions that in it, that they're planning to get a thousand miles on a battery charge. Yeah. Um, I I applied for the the two hundred and fifty. That's what I've reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as to you, what color, if you had a choice on the Aptera, what color would you choose to get? My Aptera reservation history was a six hundred mile version. In white, I believe it's the Sol, you know, upgraded stereo because I like my tunes and the full solar. And then what happened is they came out with the launch edition and they said, you know, if you want your Aptera first, we're going to build basically one set of specifications and it's going to be the Luna, I believe. Is that right? The silver one. I'm yes. Luna. Wrong. Luna? No, no. no. Um, You're good. There's anyway, no it's, the, it's the silver one. It's the one that's behind me in the picture. It's silver, full solar, 40 kilowatt hour battery. So 400 mile range, all wheel drive. I didn't necessarily feel like I needed all wheel drive, um, even though we live in Michigan. But I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go with the launch edition because I want mine sooner than my custom version. And I it's, it's since grown on me. And, and the other thing that I've heard is that the color is actually a wrap. So if I really don't like it, I could pay to have it rewrapped. Yes. Uh, I I thought about the white, and then I thought black is always classy. So, you know, I could go with my tuxedo and and bring my partner with me if I had one and dress up, go to the opera. But uh, I saw a wrap, and it was um, digitally altered, um, of a killer whale of the pattern on the Aptera. And I thought, I don't know if I want to be a killer whale, but but I liked the the flowing of black and white, uh, kind of like dolphin, some dolphins or killer whales. And I thought, Phew. so I'm 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 kind of between at least for what's available, going no noir, how do you pronounce it? N O I or all white. And and the Luna is the Luna is pretty. The one behind you is looking sharp. If that was what was only available, I'd be pleased as punch to have it. Yeah. So we'll see. But I do have a, a question for you. Can I take yeah. give, to take with you? Absolutely. Because you will be going to see Aptera, yeah. which is really cool. Um, so one of the questions is, 
Um, I'm terrified of bridges, Carl. That's something I, I kind of have to tamp down. And going over the Mackinac Bridge is a little fearful for me because I was told even with my car on a really windy day, they've had at least two small vehicles blow off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, so please ask them about that when mm-hmm. you see them. But what's your first impression about, is that something that I'd have to worry about going over the bridge in, in my Aptera? Well, my my layman's opinion, I'm an engineer, but a chemical engineer, not a mechanical or aerospace. So my my first gut feeling is that you will not have to worry about it. And that's because the vehicle is so streamlined. Um, but we are talking about crosswinds. You know, we're not talking about headwinds. We know the headwinds are what this car is optimized for. But even the crosswinds, so winds coming from the side, if you look at the shape of it, which is like a bubble, I think it will flow over that vehicle very well compared to, say, I used to have Volkswagen camper vans, which is basically the shape of a toaster. And those things, you would get them in a crosswind and they were blowing, you know, all over the road. And, you know, then when I think back to the Mitsubishi that I had, um, you know, the, the Eclipse type vehicle or the, um, I had a Porsche 944, which was relatively streamlined. You know, those were, uh, I, I don't ever remember having issues with crosswinds. Now they were heavier. So it's still a question worth asking because the Aptera is, is very light, um, in its design. Uh, because it's it's designed to be made with carbon fiber rather than metal in its main structural components. Um, my gut feeling it's not an issue, but I'll I'll see if I can find somebody to ask that question to. I'd appreciate that, yeah. and I do know that you can uh, at least when we went over the Mackinac Bridge, you can rent a heavy person, and so maybe I could rent a, a driver. At least yeah, I think heavy people. <laughs> I think you can get a driver too if you're if you're afraid. Um, I think you can get somebody to drive your vehicle across. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's no joke. I mean, like you said, vehicles have literally blown off that that bridge. Um, let me tell you something else fun. I've ridden over that bridge with my zero motorcycle, and um, you know there are two lanes on each side, and one is paved, if I remember correctly, and one is open grading. So when you're sitting on a motorcycle and you look down, you're seeing grading and the water. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then on top of that, the grading, of course, isn't 100% parallel. And so what happens is your tires wander on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there's kind of a pucker factor there, uh, taking a motorcycle across the, uh, the, the Mackinac bridge or any large bridge like that. So I, I understand that's it. It is a very weird, squirrely feel, feeling, and and I can I can understand how somebody could have a phobia of that. So, uh, I'll take that with me and and see if I can get somebody to answer that question. And and I know they're going to do. I I believe that I I heard they're going to do winter testing, and I will be curious the different motor configurations: two wheels mm-hmm. versus three wheels. And I know they have a, a absolutely unrealistic fantastic uh, computer uh, management of the wheels, but I will be curious as to how those drive differently. Yeah, um, likewise. And and so you've driven a motorcycle, or you often write, I can't believe you do a zero. That's great. Um, 
there are motorcycle trailers, right? Yes. Could you imagine it just theoretically, not saying this is reality, mm -hmm. uh, pulling a trailer behind an Aptera motorcycle trailer? I could see it, but obviously it impacts the range. I mean, I do that now with my Tesla Model Y. Um, it does have a trailer hitch, and I pull a a single motorcycle trailer with it. And, you know, the efficiency loss for that, because it is a um, bespoke motorcycle trailer, it's designed to be very small. Um, so my range loss there is maybe 30%. And so what I'm finding is I'm still able to go two, two and a half hours of driving before I need to stop to charge. Now, could the Aptera do that? I I have no doubts in terms of the torque. Um, my only question would be like, what does the actual detail of the coupling look like? Because if you notice the tail of that vehicle is pretty high. So how would you get a trailer hitch ball onto that? Then my mind starts to, to wander down those kind of technical details. From a torque standpoint, being able to pull a motorcycle trailer, no doubt. Um, then it's only a matter of what does that also do to the aerodynamics, to the streamlining. You know, we, we've just got done talking that, you know, the whole point of that vehicle is it's so efficient. It doesn't need a big battery. Now, if you put something behind that vehicle that's absolutely not aerodynamic, you know, again, an aerodynamic toaster now does your range go in half does it even go less than that you know is, is it even I would think practical less than that. yeah so, i mean i mean i think if you own an aptera and some someone were able to put a trailer hitch onto it and you want to go down to your local um you know garden center and pick up some mulch and drive it home for 10 20 miles to me no doubt that it could do it as as long as you know you have the right coupling and all that sort of thing but in terms of range, I do have questions and how that would pan out. But, and, and, and so I'm playing devil's advocate that of way. Course. But on the other hand, you have so much interior storage, you could probably load your Aptera up. You would still probably mm. hit just in basis of weight, I weight. would wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the need would be the same except the exception that comes to mind is i had to haul two pieces of fencing that was like 15 foot long uh cattle fencing mm -hmm. and what we ended up doing is a friend of mine who has uh all electric uh, volvo he has an ultralight trailer and so we just borrowed it and that once in how many years i've needed that yeah so, exactly yeah i mean yeah. we rented a u-haul trailer to help my daughter move when uh, she was moving out of her college house. So we just went to U-Haul, took my Kia Nero, hooked it up. I mean, in terms of being able to pull the trailer, absolutely no problem. But but range wasn't an issue because we were only moving locally. We weren't dragging this thing across the country. So again, the, the bigger and the, the less aerodynamic and the heavier a trailer, the more it's going to impact your range. But in terms of torque and being actually able to pull the trailer safely, EVs are are actually much better than than a I would say a similar comparable vehicle. Another question for you, Carl, is the um, license plate in back of the Aptera? Mm -hmm. For some reason, it, it it's not a big thing, but small bother is I just wish they could recess it and get rid of the the bulb of the 
of that one side of the license plate has that like kind of round bulb thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I heard this right, but you can correct me. But I think legally they have to have that on there, have that arrangement. Yeah. So Is first of all, it's a motorcycle sized plate. So it's not a full size car plate. And then my understanding is that little mushroom thing that comes out. I think it's actually a bulb. It need they need you need to be able to illuminate the plate. So I think that's part of it. I don't remember if there's another function to it, like if that's the the handle for releasing the 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 hatch or something like that. I'm probably getting this way wrong, but um, yeah. if there's another function to that, but I I think there's a reason for it. Um, you know, if you look at the uh, Aptera Owners um, Club channel uh steve dives into those kind of details and i i think i seem to recall that was discussed but i don't remember exactly what it is but my my vision is that you know you got this license plate and it needs to be illuminated at nighttime so you need to have some way of obviously sticking something beyond the license plate so it can back illuminate towards the license plate itself if only i I was thinking they could have put like even just an led light around the uh, license plate to illuminate it, but uh, but again, I think that mushroom type thing sounded like it was required, and I'm not sure. Like you say, it may be a functional thing for the vehicle, but if it's a legal thing, then that that also could explain it. But I just mm-hmm. think if that's the case. That's a weird law. Do you on your motorcycle? Do you have something like that? There's illumination, but it, there's not a thing that looks like a mushroom. I have a feeling there's another function to that. And so those of you listening to this, you know, put it in the comments, um, then maybe we'll, we'll learn something about what that's for. You know, Aptera does everything with efficiency in mind. So if it didn't need to be there and if it was negatively impacting efficiency or even the aesthetics, I would say they wouldn't put it on there. So there must be a reason for it. Gosh, I'm hoping I can upgrade above 250 miles. We'll see what the budget allows, but you were really right about the idea of investing it's wise not to invest if you can't afford to lose the money. Yeah, that's right. Now it'd be nice if we all made a little bit of money on this. Those of us that are, that are investors. But I think for me, one of the biggest things is I, I believe in what the company is doing. I, I want to support that. So, and if, if I lose money along the way, um, but maybe something good comes out of it, you know, let's say the the vehicle doesn't come to be, but they're able to, sell their technology to somebody else that then makes it into something useful, then to me, that's still worthwhile, even if I don't get my Aptera. But I'd be very sad. I, I'm definitely looking forward to to having this vehicle and driving it around. And and I have a feeling those of us that are going to drive it, if we get to that point, taking a road trip will take much longer because every time we stop, someone's going to ask us questions. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on that for sure. Oh my gosh. So yes. Ben, any any other final thoughts on Apteras or EVs that you want to share with the audience? Uh, I'm trying to think of something that's serious because my first thought is if you don't have an electric car, and then I thought I better not say anything. I just <laughs> I, because for for most people it's a progression. It's not like somebody turns the light on. Although for some people it's like once I took that ride in my car or in my car in uh, my friend's leaf, mm-hmm. I was sold. Um, but then there's still, even if you are sold, there may be a progression before you can make it happen financially. But if you do, and if you can, the 
payback, just not financially, but uh, even my sleep, uh, to be honest, I sleep a lot better owning my electric car than I did when I owned my gas vehicle. But of course, that's me. And that won't apply to everybody. And just, I still feel weird. And this is probably not last words, but I feel weird when I try to explain how smooth it rides. Because most of my friends, when they think smooth, they think powerless or without impact. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole different way of thinking. And and it is, a, it is electric cars are not gasoline vehicles. And there is a learning curve. And uh, recently, people in Chicago have learned that there's a learning curve, even in charging. Mm-hmm. But, but you can make it work. Oh, by the way, I told my friends, it was weird that people in Chicago had trouble charging their vehicles in the cold weather. But people in Alaska have never had trouble charging their cars in cold weather. Yep. It's because they understand the specifics of, of, of charging and appreciate it for that. Yeah. So yeah, preconditioning. Yes. And and we have uh people in our EV community that drive diesels and they also tell us that you still have to plug in a diesel because if yes. you don't in the cold weather you're going to have trouble starting it because the diesel fuel is so viscous when it's cold that it doesn't yeah. flow properly. So it's just a matter of taking precautions and preparing for the cold. Um I've never been stuck because of the cold. The only thing that the extreme cold has done for one of my road trips it made it a little bit longer because now i needed to stop at each charger for five or ten minutes longer to replenish that additional energy that it needed to keep the battery warm but other than that it was like any other road trip thank you so much carl i really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and i love your show by the way thank you appreciate it and i I love having you on and i love having your perspective Okay. All right. Thanks to our listeners, and uh, we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed or learned from this episode of Zero E Michigan, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Visit our YouTube channel for other related videos at youtube.com slash at the number zero E dash Michigan.